Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Good morning. Today, I get to introduce you to my new friend. Her name is Betsy Pendergrass. I've never known anybody named Pendergrass, but she is from Tennessee, and we met on Instagram. And I was just talking to my brother yesterday, who is older than I am, Betsy. And he goes, Sue, I cannot do this whole Instagram thing. I said, don't worry. Let me walk you through the steps. But it has been a blast to meet you, Betsy. We certainly could be twin sisters, except you're younger. And uh, (laughs) Betsy Pendergrass is an author. She has the most wonderful shop. I can't wait to send you to her shop at the end of this, but don't go right now. I want you to listen to what she has to say. Beautiful website. And uh, it's called Gathering Around for Heart and Home. Did I say that right? Yes, ma'am. Gathering. Well, you know why I like, and you can tell she's from Tennessee. Yes, ma'am. You call your, <laughs> you call yourself a gatherer. Now I call myself a people collector, but I kind of like the sound of yours better. So tell me, what is the story behind calling yourself a gatherer? Well, um, my husband and I both come from very hospitable moms and it's really kind of funny, even though they're quite different in age and ages, um, both moms made it a high priority to, um, invite people Mm. in and it looked very different. Taylor's mom is a very talented hostess. She makes beautiful centerpieces. She cooks delicious foods goes the, the, you know, goes the extra mile to make yeah. somebody uh, a beautiful place to sit at. Right. I've been Mom, in those homes. <laughs> and, and it's, it's delightful yeah. to go to her yeah. home and eat. Yeah. My mom, on the other hand, was a single mom raising oh, wow. uh, my sisters and I, and yet she still was just as hospitable, it, but it was different because she would say, Hey, come on in. We're you know, making a dinner tonight, you can help us grab something to drink out of the fridge, you know, pull up a plate, you know, got an extra chair, made you just feel very welcomed. And it didn't have to go any, you know, it was not fancy. It was, well, I don't, I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but what made her be that way was her mother. (laughs) It was her great aunts. It was her, well, her aunts, my great aunts. Okay. They lived together in their older age and they were the most hospitable women I've ever known in my life. Greatest stories I have to tell about my great aunts and their hospitality. Wow. Wow. Um, But she learned from the best. Have you ever written, have you ever written a book about what they learned or what they did? I'm constantly writing about them. And I I love the idea of creating a book just about that, but I'm not Uh, there yet. Just writing the stories right now. Now, some people have the impression, and I think it's possibly a wrong impression that if you are from the South, you are automatically hospitable. Can you talk about that? (laughs) You introverted people out there. (laughs) it's okay it's okay um no you do not have to be um the same level hospitable now 
I do think there is space for an introvert to invite somebody to connect. It just needs to look different for you. Of course, of course. And my best advice for introverted people is set parameters. Say, hey, would you like to meet me for a cup of coffee for an hour to, you know, hour, hour and a half at X coffee shop? And that way you have an out. Totally. It's less vulnerable than inviting someone into your home and not being sure if you're going to get them to go away or not. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I have found, Betsy, that my introverted friends talk more than my extroverted friends one on one. But if they're in a crowd, uh, they would rather just let someone else entertain them. And um, and so, yeah, there's lots of parameters. We can all, I'm an extreme extrovert, but I make parameters just because I'm too busy. So if someone yes. wants to meet with me and I don't have a lot of time, I'll do that same thing. I'll say, let's meet at a coffee shop versus coming to my home or their home because you feel awkward saying, okay, you know, it's been two hours and I got a ton to do and they kind of look hurt. You know, and it's not, I'm not yeah. out to hurt uh, people. I, that happened this past week. Mm-hmm. What happened? Yeah. Did you have to leave? I, I went to, it was really hard. My time is limited. I have four kids. I homeschool. Sure. And um, so, and I have, we have a lot of amazing young people that we pour into who are leaders and we, it's, that's our priority is hmm. those, those people. So a new friend invited me over and I really did not have the time. And if it wasn't about my daughter who was trying to make a new friend with her friend, daughter, I, I wouldn't have gone. Yeah. But I knew that I only had a certain window of time. And so I went, but when it got time to leave, I could tell her feelings were hurt. But mm-hmm. you, those are just, that's just part of the <laughs> growing pains of connecting. <laughs> and since, since we're talking about the subject, which I didn't know we would get into so quickly, I, something else I've learned is to, uh, I'm not sure what the phrase is, but you get ahead of them. When you know someone wants to meet with you, I reach out to them first before they reach out to me and I have to say no again, you know, I don't want to keep saying no. So I reach out, you know, I want to get together with you. I'm available uh, two weeks from Tuesday and they'll go great. And then it's on the calendar, no feelings hurt. And um, you know, God has brought them into your life for a reason. Betsy, you know, I'm sure she was blessed and she has to get over herself too, just like we have to get over ourselves. (laughs) Um, I want to ask you this. You write this on your website. Uh, people disqualify themselves so quickly from gathering. Elaborate. Let me say it again. People disqualify themselves so quickly from gathering. And I don't mean COVID. No. What do you, what do you um, mean by that? I mean that there's, I hear people say all the time, my house is too dirty to have people over. I hear them say, I'm a terrible cook. Yeah. I hear them say, I'm introverted. Um, my kids are too much right. for me to have people over. And so it's like all these little excuses that feel really big in the subject of gathering. But the reality is people just want to be seen and heard. Mm-hmm. They just want to know that somebody made a space for them to come and connect. They don't care what your house looks like. They they don't care. They don't care if you aren't a great cook. In fact, I tell people, I mean, the one of my favorite memories as a kid, a high, uh, young person, was I had an, ad- we, they adopted grandparents in my church, which I'm going to write an article about that too, because it's such a neat thing that they did, but they secretly connected an older person with a teenager or high schooler. 
And we didn't know for the longest time who it was. Anyway, <laughs> mine was a big hit. It was a great connection. And she had me over to lunch. Guess what she has for us for lunch that day? Apples, crackers, and cheese. And wow. we sat at this little kitchen table and it was the most delightful meal. It, it was apples and cheese. She'd cook anything. I had a, a couple, a family who had five kids. We have four. So I know what that is to be perceived as a big family. We and her husband was gone on the road traveling for his work a lot. Hmm. And I felt like the Lord was like, invite her over. Well, it was a busy season for us. And I thought, you know what? Hot and ready pizzas are $5. I'm going to pick up four hot and ready pizzas. I'm going to grab a bag of chips. That's 20 bucks. That's a deal. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to have chips. And I think I bought cookies for dessert and we had water to drink. Mm. That woman cried. She was so touched that we had made space for them to come over for dinner. I love that story so much. And the fact that you ordered pizzas. Now I wouldn't because they're too expensive, but if I can find $5 ones, I I remember when my mother, my mother told me amazing stories. See, my mother was known as the queen of hospitality, but I was number four of five kids. And by the time I came along, she was a queen, but early on she wasn't. And she said, oh, um, when they were living in a trailer when my dad was in college and some friends were visiting. And finally the woman said, I'm hungry, Betty, let's make dinner. And mom said, well, what can we make? I mean, she was that inept as a young 20 year or 22 year old. And she says, well, do you have eggs? Yeah. Do you have bacon? Yes. Do you have bread? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to have breakfast. And she would have never thought of that if her friend hadn't been so easygoing about it. You know, I like to say people just like to be invited. Yes. They, they just want to be invited. I've never had anybody say, well, that was a horrible dinner, even if it were. Because people keep things to themselves. <laughs> so that is such a beautiful thing. People disqualify themselves so quickly from gathering because they think they are inadequate. But that's really all about themselves. And I like to say that the difference between hospitality and entertaining is that the focus. The focus is the guest when it's hospitality. And the focus is the host if it's entertaining. And so when I'm feeling um, insecure. I rarely feel insecure anymore, but sometimes I get upset, like things are not ready and I wish it was this way. I'm thinking about myself, Betsy, and God says that the best way to obey him is to love best. And the best way to love is to give up our lives for another. And sometimes that means pushing the couch back, letting (laughs) them sit on the floor on a blanket and serve apples and cheese and crisps. Wow. I just love that. Now in your shop, you have, uh, or on your website, you say we can pray through every room of our home. Tell me the story about that. I'm a prayer. I, I just talk with the Lord all the time. In fact, it's really kind of comical at times because my youngest daughter, when she's little, would hear me in the kitchen, just pray. And she go, mom, what are you talking to him about now? Yeah. That's so cute. I thought she would say, why are you talking to yourself right now? But she knew. (laughs) She knew. But I I think that we underestimate the power of prayer. Hmm. And one of the things that that Taylor and I do, when when things get sideways around our home, maybe it's uh, tension or some of our, more than one of our kids is 
not where they should be. You know, things are just going sideways. I don't know how to explain that, except that, you know, it's not normal. And, and a lot of times that happens when we've had a lot of people over and we just stop and we just walk through the entire house and we stop in every room and we pray over the room. We pray over the things that we do in that room and might take us 20 minutes and we just, we call it a cleansing. Hmm. And so we, we do that ourselves. Well, one day a friend challenged me. Uh, it was, I think it was Jamie Bailey at Expedition Marriage, um, challenged me and said, why don't you write those down and do an email series on them? And so I did. And hmm. it's, so it's 14 days of an email series and they come every day and each email addresses a particular room. So like the kitchen, we pray about gathering and feeding ourselves on the word and on food and things like that. So it has a spiritual application and a a natural application too. I have two questions. One, is that available for free or is that something they pay for on your website? for free. Yay. Okay. Would you send me the link to that? And then I'll Absolutely. put that in the show notes because we all need a house cleansing, whether or not we can afford a housekeeper. We all have the Holy Spirit. Um, my other question is some people might say from certain religious backgrounds that that would sound a little litur- too liturgical for them as if, um, as if a space is what matters to God. What do you have to say to that? <laughs> is this a trick question? Not Sue? at all. I want to know what you have to say. Because I, I have all kinds of listeners. <laughs> well, and I have all kinds of background because I have liturgical background and I have non-liturgical background. And I have an appreciation for all of that. Me too. So um I don't think it's an either you know, either or. I think it might be all of that. Um I think that the Lord, the way I look at it is. The Lord is everywhere right? and it's all his. And so to me, we're just taking time to offer it back up to him and say, Father, if this has gone in a direction you didn't mean for this to go into, we're just wiping the slate clean again. Hmm. And I'm, I try to be really encouraging of people to use their own words in certain hmm. areas. And so I, I will say, pray about this thing um, to invite them to, it's not going to always be exactly the same for every person. And there's room to say it the way that you feel like you need to say it. Hmm. It reminds me about, um, I was speaking last week and I was quoting a devotional. I'd read the morning of Thanksgiving, you know, when, when 22 people are expecting dinner in a matter of hours, but the devotional said, focus your attention on God and invite him into your life. And so I just listed all the places I wanted to invite him in, which was the kitchen, of course, the the hiking path we took up Madonna Mountain, uh, the front uh, front room where the kids would be playing games or the garage where we're putting stuff away or taking things out. And that kind of reminds me of what you were saying. There. And really, these kind of prayers, I think maybe are more for our benefit than for God's <laughs> because we are making ourselves aware that he, of course, is omnipresent. Of course, he's already there in your house. He's already cleansed your house because you are there and the Holy Spirit's in you. But right. isn't, isn't it, must sound, it must be such a great exercise for you spiritually to go through each room and do that. It's just good. I love to think of it as co-laboring with him. 
Mm-hmm. And that's how I like to think about prayer. It's like, I like to go, Hey God, what, where's your heart on this matter? And how can I agree with you in that? And so it just feels like connecting to me mm-hmm. another way to get another way. It's actually with the Lord. So say that again, where's your heart on this? And how can I partner oh, yeah. with you in it? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah, some people get discouraged because they say, I've been praying and praying and praying and praying on this. And I hear nothing from God. What do you say to them to encourage them? Are they not co-laboring in the right room? I um, I have mixed answers. Okay. One answer that I have could be he's not ready to talk about it yet. <laughs> that sounds like and my so, <laughs> And so it's, you know, potentially a wait. Hang on, sister. Um, and or he's really, it's really not the right question. Um, there are times in my life where I'm asking questions and it hits me. Okay. He's not talking. So am I asking the right question? Hmm. Um, and so I stop and I just kind of yield my hands. I, I go open-handed to him and go, am I off track on this one? And, you know, give me some guidance about what, and a lot of times there'll be a verse that'll pop into my mind. Don't discount those things. <laughs> And go and look it up and see sure. if it if it's applicable to the place that you're in and the thing that you're processing. Mm, I love that. Um, why do you emphasize that uh, our identity as children of God? Don't we all know we're God's children? Why is that so important? It's a game changer. Absolutely. Way? My husband and I are convinced that knowing who we are in Christ is the foundation that changes everything in the way that we live. Because I think a lot of times we'll, we will say that we, oh yeah, we, we believe that. Yeah. And, and I'm pointing to my forehead if you can't see me, but it's like, we're thinking it in our brain, but it doesn't make that track down to our heart true. where it is true knowledge in our being, Mm -hmm. because if we know that we are a child of God, and if we know that what the Bible says about us is actually the truth, then it shifts things like fear, like anxiety, like doubt. Now, I'm not saying that those things are bad things, but I'm saying that when we really believe that we're a child of God, and when we believe that he has works all things for our good, and I could go through so many, this is a soapbox for me, but the truth is, if we believe him, then it will change the way that we behave in circumstances that would have been different before we knew. And I, I'm glad you said um, that's okay to feel those things because people can believe it and say, but they still, they're still grieving. Yeah. Or they're still wishing things had been different or that they had made different choices or that they were not actually the victim of somebody else's pain. And so um, I love coming to prayer with your hands open. I think that's yes. the best best thing we can do. And you probably know in utmost for highest, he said, Oswald Chambers said about prayer that it, it mainly changes us. Yeah. Um, but God does say, come and ask. And, yes. if you, and if you abide, these you can ask anything and it will be done. So then I have to ask, what well, am I abiding? Because yeah. I've been a- I've been asking. So those are all great uh, questions. I see that mentoring is a passion. I want you to go back to what you said that the most important thing for your husband and you right now is pouring into young people. What do you mean by that? Um, we just 
for our whole married life, we have poured into young people, particularly college students, and would have them come and eat at the table. And we saw relationships grow around our table that never would have grown otherwise. Um, We invited them to bring dirty laundry and wash their clothes because it costs college students to wash clothes. And so, you know, that was an invitation for them to stay a little bit longer than they would have normally. Um, But over the years that, especially in our move to Nashville, We've seen the Lord bring young adults who are pouring into other people who are purposing if it full-time ministry or if it's Perry church ministries or whatever, but these are people who want to make a difference in the body of Christ in a big way. And he's bringing them to our table and they're Uh calling and saying, Hey, when can I come over? Hey. And it's not because they want to eat a good meal, although they do like a good meal. It's because they want we take the time to go, Hey, where do you, how do you need prayer? What can, you know, what's going on with your work right now? And how do you need some encouragement? And they can ask questions and we just walk through things with them and help them navigate um, these places they've never been in before. Mm, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Our church has an adopt a college student uh, program because we live in a university town and y'all meet kids. I go, have you been adopted yet? And they go, huh? You know, and they just love to come over for um, a meal. Doesn't have yes. to be perfect, but they just didn't. The first time this gal came over last Christmas, we had her for the first time. And I had never met her, but a friend in Southern California. See, I am from the South, Southern California. <laughs> but she said, you need to adopt this gal. My friend's daughter is there at Cal Poly. And she gave me her number. And I thought, well, she's not going to pick up because I'm not in her contacts. But I called and she picked up. And I go, Hi. <laughs> I know a friend of your mother's. Would you like to come for dinner? And she said, yes. And when she sat down, she said, wow, real food. You know, it really wasn't that great. <laughs> so there was one night, my my boy, and of course, my kids have grown up in that culture. So they're constantly looking for people to invite to come over. Yeah. And they had a young life leader who was uh, from a different state. And they invited him. It was his senior year and they invited him to come to dinner. We'd never met him before. And he came to eat and he sat down at the table and we were eating. And he said, this is the first home cooked meal I have had since I came to college. And I can almost run right now thinking. And I'm like, it's so simple to add one person to your meal. And so few college students who live out of state ever get to have a home cooked meal. Mm -hmm. You're talking my language, honey. (laughs) <laughs> it's so simple to add one person. It's just like adding a potato to the pot, even though people don't make yes. pots of soup anymore. You could. Yeah. And it and it is simple. I heard John Tyson speak on this the other day, the church uh the city in New York. I don't know if you've heard him, but he just spoke on hospitality and how God uses the table. Yes. And he's and he said there are 21 meals that you are ser- preparing and serving this week if you, you know, prepare and serve breakfast, which I don't. But if you could <laughs> And he was just saying, you know, hypothetically, 21 meals, can you invite one person to one of 21? So it's becoming like a mantra, one of 21, one of 21. What, you know, of all these 21 meals, can we add one person? And a college student is so thankful. Yes. More than your Absolutely. own children. More than your own children, actually. And if you're nervous about having one person over, this is something my mother-in-law did. Um, she would have two college students come together. Yes. Because she found that it made them more comfortable because they had a friend with them and they were quicker to join in the conversation when it was two of them. 
So that's a suggestion too. Yeah, totally. And that worked out funny at first week at church back in the fall, this gal sat behind us and I got her contact information. And then the next week we sat next to a guy. It was his first week at church. He was a transfer student. And so I invited him for dinner and then I texted her. They both came. So I said, I'm not trying to set you up. Because one was a grad student and one already had a girlfriend. But it was fun to have them both there at the same time. So that is such great advice. Now, of of your shop, what is your favorite thing that you are selling? <laughs> I just think it's such a pretty shop. That's so hard. I um, My favorite conversation and thing to teach about is the Christmas story. I just love the Christmas story. And so I think maybe the the brand new product um right oh, now so tell this us about is it. um i have a set of cards that my daughter and i or my youngest daughter and i created together she's 13 mm-hmm. and she was 12 when we when she helped me and it's a set of cards for the month of december obviously you could do it anytime like you can learn about the christmas story any time of the year but um It's just an easy way to invite kids into the stories and to realize, hey, these are real people that had real struggles. These things actually happened. And it invites kids. It gives questions that kids and their parents can process through of um, what what, what must it have been like to show up and not have a place to stay Mm. or questions like that, where you can actually put your own self into the situation and try to begin to think what it must have felt like. I can see that being a great baby shower gift. That would be a good baby shower gift. Tell us about what you're offering free to my listeners for a giveaway. Well, I have that Pray Through Your House um, two-week prayer series, but I also have a mentoring one that's also free if you're interested in being mentored or mentoring. And then I have a giveaway. Oh, goody. The giveaway is a set of our cards. It's for a month. So 30 days, powerful prayers of peace. Mm. And each card has a scripture that particularly combats fear. And on the other side of the card, I've written a prayer that goes with that scripture. So it plays off the scripture, turns it into a powerful prayer for peace in the life of the reader. And you can pray along or just read along, Mm. but it's an invitation to step out of fear and into peace. Mm. And I love a good invitation, don't you? (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) To step out of fear and into peace. I have to write all this down. Um, You know that this podcast is about legacy. And I've given you a few days to think about this, but what... What is the legacy that you want to make sure that those around you um, will receive from you? That like, just the question makes me cry. I have tears in my eyes. I feel like if I were going to leave a legacy, it would be for people to know that they can invite someone to come and sit with them at a table. Because I have seen generations of people connect with people sitting across the table from them, looking them in the eye, let them know that they're seen and loved. I just have such a great value for connecting at the table. Mm -hmm. And right now we live in a time where culture is pulling us far, far away from tables. And so I think if I was going to leave a legacy, it would be that all my four kids would 
go out and do that and train their own kids to do that. And we would raise up generations more to follow who value connecting that, that the heart of the father would be seen and heard and that people would know that they're loved. Mm -hmm. Um, And did you have to overcome any obstacles to do leave that legacy or what particular challenges have you had? We had to be countercultural. We did not um, let our kids join. Uh, Really, honestly, I'm not sure any of them ever did a thing that took us away from our table as far as an activity. There were times where the boys ran cross country. We would go to cross country matches and then we would sit down somewhere at a restaurant and eat a meal together. So even those things, we were still together at a table Mm -hmm. and we purposed that to be a priority. Even now, as my kids are older, I still fight for it. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, what night or let's plan a night. So Thursday night, we're going to all meet up and eat together. And so we just try to cultivate that. Mm -hmm. It reminds me when Bonnie was uh, at USC, my oldest, and she, some guys were coming to Cal Poly on the um, water polo team. So she invited them over for dinner. And this one kid goes, this is the best meal I've ever had. And I just bought deli chickens. I never <laughs> served deli chickens to company, but it was kind of last minute. And I, and what, what, what broke my heart, Betsy, was that if this was his best dinner, you know, where is he from? Single mom, didn't make, make him sit at the table. Yeah. And you don't have to be a good cook. You just have to sit together. And I, my heart breaks for people like that. My last question, you've probably already answered, but how do you embody the welcoming heart of God? I just try to live it out. Like, <laughs> I try to live it out everywhere I go. I mean, um, God is so intentional in our lives that I want to be as intentional carrying the good news. And if that's with somebody at to check out counter, or if it's with um, somebody, a new person at church, or um, I just try to be welcoming. When I go into a situation where I'm new in the situation, I don't go into that situation anticipating that somebody should be welcoming to me. I go into it knowing as a child of God that I carry something that I can bless somebody with. And so I look around me for somebody who might look uncomfortable or out of place. And I go to them and try to speak with them. And so I guess that the more that I know about how welcoming he is to me, the more it causes me to want to be welcoming to others. Mm. You're speaking my language. I would invite you for, (laughs) I would invite you for Thanksgiving, but you have your own people that you're inviting. So it's kind of a joke in my family that, you know, every person mom meets gets invited for Thanksgiving. <laughs> hey, uh, both moms on both ends of the entertaining spectrum, hospitality spectrum, always invite new people yeah. to the table at Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's kind of sad if there's not extra people. <laughs> it is. Yeah, we need extra people. And someone just wrote me an email and said, I don't have enough chairs for Thanksgiving. And I said, what a wonderful problem to have. Yes, sit yes. on the floor, sit on the floor. <laughs> you will be fine. But yes. it was kind of cute and how great her heart is that she's doing that. She's on a military base. You know, oh, people are away from wow. home. Yeah, that's a whole nother sector that needs God's welcoming heart. Betsy, you've been a delight, a delight. I knew you would be. Um, we'll have to do this again. And I appreciate your time and your ministry and your heart. Thanks so much. Thank you, Sue, for having me. It's been so fun. A blast. 
Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.